535, hit us out to Laredo About to pick us some pounds so we can make us some queso No luggage in the trunk, just me and Saki Headed back down to Texas, now we serving these beans Hey, welcome to the I-35 Sports Connection It's your boy, Triple A NLB All-Star Week is over Time for the second half of the season. It was a really good All-Star Week if you were a Rangers fan. It was all right if you were a Royals fan. Nothing big really happened for you. Uh, you know, Saudi put on a good show, but ultimately they lost. Um, we've got Frank Clark's stuff we got to talk about and why the Chiefs are kind of like, eh, you know, they can't really do anything in the situation. It's not really up to them. Uh, so if you're wondering why the Chiefs haven't made a move, it's because they really can't. Their hands are pretty much tied and they're at the mercy of you know, what the legal system decides or what the NFL decides, and, and we'll get into why that is, and then also what the Rangers need to do. But first things first, as you've probably noticed, my co-pilot, co-host, Mila, is not in the building today. She's still under the weather. Hopefully, she'll be back next week. I think she will. She's she's doing a lot better. Uh, hit us up at i35sportscxn on Twitter. Uh if you want to, you know, give some well wishes or if you want to talk some sports, but let's get into the Rangers. So if you're a Rangers fan, I, I mean, this All-Star Week is pretty much everything you could have hoped for. One, Joey Gallo looked good in the home run derby. Yes, he lost in the first round. Happened to be like a last second home run. Fine. We'll take it. Garcia gets a hit in the All-Star game. Gibson looks good in his outing. Gives up no runs, one hit. And Joey Gallo gets a walk. No strikeouts, which if you follow Joey Gallo's career, it's always been an issue of striking out. So take the win there. Now, this keeps you in perfect position. No one's stock has gone down. No one got hurt. Garcia's probably not going to get traded because you would probably want to see what you have with him. So let's talk Gibson and let's talk Gallo and yes there's other people like Kennedy and some other players on the Rangers that will probably get dealt but I want to focus on these two guys because one is a guy that's been in your system forever that you were hoping to be the face of the franchise and the other one is the guy with the highest value of anybody that that's on your roster not named Joey Gallo so that's why I want to focus on these two guys because these are the cornerstone corner cornerstones of what you're hoping to get uh, to build your future with, to build that competitive roster in 23 or 24 whenever the Rangers decide to actually be good for once. So let's talk Joey Gallo. This is one of the few times where he's at his ultimate trade value. This is the highest it's been in years. And it just so happens to be during uh, the All-Star break, it just so happens to be at a time where we're starting to near that trade deadline. Teams are trying to make those decisions on whether or not they're going to go on that final run. So he's finally valuable at the right time. It's will the Rangers pull the trigger? Because what you don't want and what your biggest fear is if you're a Rangers fan is them going, hey, we didn't really get the right kind of offer for Gallo. We're going to take this into the offseason. I hope we get something better and potentially risk losing him for nothing. On the flip side, if you are the Rangers fan and you're like, well, would it be so bad if we signed him? I've always been a Joey Gallo fan. Yes. Do you really want to commit somewhere between like 25, 26 million a year to a guy who is probably not going to be the number one guy on a championship team to uh, a team that you're still multiple years away from being even competitive so you got to think about it. Let's say you pay Joey Gallo 25 mil a year and you're hoping you can be competitive in 23. That's 50 million gone, gone. 
on on getting better prospects, on you know making some better trades, on, on possibly buying a number one guy in a free agency because you're going to waste it on Gallo and you're going to waste those years of service. Now this would be a different story if the Rangers were competitive or close to contention, but the fact that they're not, the fact that they have a lot of holes means that they have to get rid of Gallo and it has to be at this trade deadline. You cannot let this linger into the offseason and honestly you can't afford to trade Joey, or you can't afford to sign Joey Gallo long term. And I'm not talking financially. I'm talking rebuilding this team because the Rangers owner sure as hell could afford it. But if they do it, you know they're not going to want to spend money on a big name free agent. So that's why you got to get rid of Gallo. The second thing, Gibson. He gone, sub two ERA, less than 10 mil a year. Yeah, he's gone. He's absolutely gone. Uh, every single team in playoff contention is going to be interested. Even if you have the best pitching, you are still interested because he is cheap. He has another year left on his deal. And even if he blows up, it's a cheap deal. So you can bite the bullet and get rid of him. But sub two, less than 10 mil a year, he can help you out in many areas. And he's one of those pitchers who hasn't been struggling at all uh, since MLB has been cracking down on sticky stuff. Yeah, he's gone. I'm sorry. Rangers fans, we're not in contention. The ownership is not going to put us in contention next year. We need pieces for the future. Joey Gallo, Kyle Gibson absolutely must be traded by the deadline. You cannot afford to keep these guys on your roster any longer. They've got to go. They are both doing well, the best they've been playing in years. But if you are serious about building a contender then these two guys cannot be on your roster long-term. And that's just the way it is. Let's pivot to the Royals. Salvi had a fantastic showing in the home run derby. Just so happened to to go down to the guy who won it, uh, Pete Alfonso. But hey, like Slugger said, we'll take 2015 Mets. You can have your home run derby, right? Um, but... Savi's been doing it all year. He's been the lone bright spot of of the Royals. Uh, I, I mean, I was glad to see Whit Merrifield, you know, get an all get an All Star berth, well deserved. But when we're talking MVP of the Royals and MVP of the Royals for the last few years, and the only bright spot this season so far has been Salvador Perez. I mean, he has more home runs this season than Soler and Hunter combined. And those are the two guys that you're expecting to be tops in your team in home runs. Those guys also have the worst worst war on your team. uh, And that's wins above replacement. So when you look at it, you go, okay, Hunter has got multiple years left on his deal. You're you're almost forced to to let him figure it out, come back. And at the same time, he's not a super expensive guy. Um, Solaire, he's on a one-year. And when you're on a one-year deal and you are struggling, the Royals are hoping, are absolutely hoping and praying this guy can get a little bit hot so they can get somewhat value for him. But... If you're if you're me and you're a huge Royals fan, it, it's time to just turn the page on Soler. You you took a risk when you traded for him, and you were hoping you were getting this diamond in the rough who needed to be fine tuned. But the the experiment time is over. Um, it didn't work out. He could never tap that potential that he had. Whereas people like you know 
Mondi have you know a couple more years where you can you can be patiently waiting to see if they can finally put it all together. Solaire doesn't. It's it's time for you to let that go uh, because right now it's a wasted roster spot. I mean, he's hitting under 200. He has a handful of home runs. Um, he's just not contributing to the team, and it's not for lack of not being on the field. Uh, so I would flip Solaire at the deadline. If you're a Royals fan, that's what you're looking for is uh, do you part with Solaire at the deadline? And and I would say absolutely. you got to let the guy go. Yes, there's other pieces that the Royals are more likely to move, but this is the guy that you are looking at because you're – your hope was for him to be the future and he's not um and and so what you can do is you can move him bring in one of your young guys from the farm system and let get let them get all those at bats right bring in bobby witt let him get all those solera bats right like you, you gotta do something and and it can't be counting on solera to be the guy anymore on this team um get creative with your outfield or, or put Bobby at DH or or move something around. Just let Bobby get those at-bats. Let him see the major field. It won't attack his service time, so you'll be good there. You get a steal a year. But it, it's time to turn the page on Soler because uh, he's not going to be on this team next year. That's what I would say. And my over bet's not looking great. You know, the, the Royals have to go 38 and 35. And if they want any chance of doing that, six of the next eight games are against losing teams. They need to go at least five and three, preferably six and two would be fantastic in the next eight games to start this second half to have any chance of this overbet hitting uh, six and two. Come on, Royals. But uh, if, if they go four and four, if 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 they do something like that, then I, I would say it's it's done on the overbet. And I will have uh, one of my first big, really, uh, really big losses. Of, uh, of the podcast and me predicting some stuff. But, you know, hopefully the Royals can save me here. But I, I think the number one thing is move Soler, bring Bobby Witt up, let him get major league experience. He's been tearing it up in the minors. There's, there's no reason to, to, to leave him there, especially if you're hoping that he can be a part of something next year. Um, if, if I'm the Royals, that's that's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm, I'm tossing Soler into the wilderness. I'm getting whatever I can for him, and I'm, I'm bringing Bobby in. And, and I'm saying, God dang it, Bobby, what he can do. That is a terrible, terrible Hank Hill impersonation. But that is what you get when I ride solo, random impersonations, because Mila is not here to check me. <laughs> now... Let's talk the uh, the unfortunate situation with Frank Clark. We mentioned he got arrested in L.A. for riding around with the Uzi, uh, popping out the back of his car. Um, now, if you're wondering, you know, what the Chiefs are going to do with him, what's going on there, you know, uh, Frank Clark is, is facing three years of prison time. And, and in this situation, I'm going to hit the cap first. Uh, shrewd business guy, I guess. I'll, I'll do the cap first, and then I'll kind of talk to why the Chiefs are, are so trapped because of it. So when you when you look at Frank Clark's contract, and we brought this up uh, during the Chiefs off uh, off season show, um, but they can't really get rid of him this year. It's thirty eight. It's almost thirty eight million dollars of dead cap if they were to try to get rid of him. And when you already have Jones, you already have Mahomes, these huge gigantic deals. You can't, there's no way, even salary cap magic for the Chiefs to be able to pull this off. Like $38 million in dead cap isn't happening. The first 
opportunity the Chiefs do have to get out of that contract would be after this season. And it's still a lot of cap hit, but it's a lot more manageable than $38 million. So a $38 million cap hit means the Chiefs don't really get a say. They, they mathematically cannot get out of this contract at all this season. Unless the legal system takes care of it for you or the NFL steps in. And, and that's why the Chiefs are quiet. Like, there is nothing that they can really do cap-wise to, to get Frank Clark off this team. So you can look at it two ways. Either the Chiefs are, you know, letting the legal system take its course and they really want Frank Clark to be on this team, but they don't want to judge him unfairly. They want the legal system to go that route or they want the NFL to do their due diligence or the Chiefs don't want Frank Clark on this team, but they can't do anything about it because of that contract that he signed. So that, that's what it is. It's the Chiefs have their hands tied because of that dead cap money that would happen. Uh, so there's no real way to even get it out of that deal. No one's going to trade for a guy that's facing three years of prison time, potentially, or facing a possible suspension of who knows what from Roger Goodell because his uh, sentencing streak is very odd and then there's no mathematical rhyme or reason for how many games people get. So you're kind of stuck. You're kind of stuck with it. You got a guy who's making 18, 19 million this year who could be suspended games, trade value gone. You have a dead cap of 38 million. You ain't taking that hit because you can't afford that hit mathematically. So Chiefs can't do anything about it. So Frank Clark is going to be on this team this year for sure, unless the NFL or the legal system say otherwise. The Chiefs have absolutely no say in what happens to Frank Clark this year. Believe that. <laughs> uh, no, no. But honestly, uh, believe it because that that that's what the cap shows. That's what the math shows. And if there's one thing that's always right, it's math. Uh, unfortunately, I, I should have paid better attention to that in school. But that's kind of what you're looking at if you're a Chiefs fan, unfortunately. Um, what you are hoping for, though, is that either the legal system or Frank Clark uh, Frank Clark's uh, meeting with Roger Goodell, which will happen at some time uh, because Roger Goodell meets with everybody that's in a difficult legal situation. It, I, I don't think it's been announced when they're going to meet. They could have already met. But either the legal system or Frank Clark and Roger Goodell meeting and talking things out and, and coming up with some type of solution on sentencing is what you're hoping for if you're a Chiefs fan. And preferably, you're hoping that that announcement happens sometime during the preseason so you can prepare. It's not going to happen by training camp because Roger Goodell's um, track record shows that he takes as long as he wants, but he usually gets it done before the season. Um, Frank Clark has arraignment on the 14th of July, but the legal system is notoriously slow. So that's what you're hoping for it is really one of those two things to speed up. And my money is on Goodell. Uh, he's going to see what happens July 14th. He's going to then talk to Frank Clark. They're going to see how serious or unserious um, that three-year prison sentence looks as far as like, is there a good case? Is there not? And then he's going to make his decision on uh, whether Frank Clark is going to miss part or all of the season and, and what that's going to be. But honestly, the Chiefs have nothing to do 
uh, but just sit there and wait. They have no moves to make in this situation, which is unfortunate. Uh, you know, you, you would love to be able to pull a lever or if you're a Chiefs fan, you'd love to say, hey, go do this. But like, honestly, the Chiefs have no lever to, to pull here. They, they can't do anything. Even if the Chiefs want to get rid of them, it's better that Roger Goodell or the legal system get rid of him or you hemorrhage your future. So there is, there's no great statement to make uh, if you're the Kansas City Chiefs, at least in my eyes, if I'm looking at it from their perspective on, on what they would want to do in that situation. I'm not, I'm not advocating for or against getting rid of him. I'm just letting you know what the situation is and why the Chiefs really don't have a say in that. So I'll be really interested to see what happens with Kansas City and Frank Clark and and what that solution is but for sure by the start of the season you're going to know whether or not frank lark is going to miss time because goodell usually lets his verdicts out by the time preseason rolls around now before we end today's show and by we i mean me because mila's not here but uh before i end the show i i do want to put a little, little little teaser a little little, little something to, you know you know what the old lips for you July 22nd, we are being uh, granted the opportunity to interview a big name former K-State player. Uh, I ain't going to tell you who it is. Uh, we'll, we'll drop some hints. Uh, if you go through our Twitter, you'll probably figure, it, figure out who it is. But we got July 22nd earmarked to do a little K-State interview uh, with a, a former Heisman hopeful, uh, a guy who finished top five in the Heisman voting, uh, someone who kind of like led out K-State's uh, uh, you know, national party of welcoming K-State to the college football scene. And um, hopefully it all goes well. We've got a schedule for the, for the 22nd. Hopefully nothing falls through, but really excited about it. Um, once we do the interview, we'll probably release it in, in a week or two or, or, or let you know where to find it. But uh, I hope you're excited for it. We're excited for it. We're going to talk his time at K-State. We're going to preview K-State season. We're going to do it all. It, it's going to be awesome. I can't wait, uh, but, but I'll let you guys know how that goes. Uh, feel free to guess uh, who you think it is at i35sportscxn on Twitter. Uh, once again, that's i35sportscxn on Twitter. Uh, let us know uh, who you think it is or, or, or anything else you want us to comment on, and we'll talk to you guys later. Take it easy.